Hey guys and girls, welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. Good day, Single to Sealed. It is Brianna. And Jerry. And we're back for another podcast episode. Today's topic is a great one. It is finding and becoming a soulmate. So to start us off, Jerry, what is a soulmate? There's kind of a mixed interpretation, really, of what it means and what it really is. I think oftentimes when people say soulmate, we think of things like uh, being destined or predestined to be with a specific person. Like you're only meant to be with a specific individual. I think that's our general idea of a soulmate. Uh, if you look up other definitions, you might you might see on one like on dictionary.com, our go-to here, that says that it is a person ideally suited to another as a close friend or romantic partner. When I think about soulmates, I always think about that scene in Ever After where the prince is hanging out with Leonardo da Vinci <laughs> and he's walking on water with his little like boat or water shoes he's made and they're having the discussion about what is a soulmate and the prince is like well what if my soulmate gets you know has a heart attack and dies or he like lists off all these different things that could happen to a soulmate he's like what happens then who am I supposed to be with if the one person I'm meant to be with is dead or marries someone else and it's a very valid question if we look at the world from the viewpoint of there's only one person that you can be with that can make you happy just one person it's pretty narrow-minded, and it also is kind of stressful to think about. And I don't like that viewpoint of a soulmate. And so today we're kind of breaking that down and talking a little bit more about the perspective we believe that we should be having when it comes to the phrase soulmate. And so what to do that better than with church leaders? Exactly. So what do the prophets have to say about our soulmates and how to find them? We're going to dive right into that here, starting with Spencer W. Kimball. He says... Soulmates are fiction and an illusion, and while every young man and young woman will seek with all diligence and prayerfulness to find a mate with whom life can be most compatible and beautiful, yet it is certain that almost any good man and any good woman can have happiness and a successful marriage if both are willing to pay the price. So what does it mean to be good here? What does it mean to be a good man or a good woman? Well, in the scriptures, it breaks it down for us. In Psalms 37, 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. In Moroni 7, 5, it says, For I remember the word of God, which saith by their works, ye shall know them. For if their works be good, then they are good also. So right here, it lays out that a good man or a good woman is someone who follows the word of God, and also their acts and what they do are good things. I would take that to mean as someone who follows the commandments, someone who's charitable and kind and really puts forth an effort to be the person that God wants them to be. Of course, it doesn't mean they're perfect, but it means they really try. Exactly. We really we really want to be good. And I think that that's a good definition of what good is. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing we wanted to mention in this quote here is that he mentions a price that it's pretty certain that any good man. And any good woman, given that definition that we just that we just came up with, can have happiness in a successful marriage if they both are willing to pay the price. 
So what exactly is that price? It's not very clear based on that quote that we read you. So we went into the talk itself, and President Kimball lays out that price a little more clearly for us. So Brianna, what does he say? So he says that responsibilities must be assumed and new duties must be accepted. Some personal freedom must be relinquished and many adjustments, unselfish adjustments, must be made. He also talks about how it means sacrifice, sharing, and even a reduction of some of our personal liberties. It means long, hard economizing. And it also means children who bring with them financial burdens, service burdens, care and worry burdens. And it means the deepest and sweetest emotions of all. So we know that marriage requires a lot from us. It requires us to be unselfish. It requires us to be charitable and to serve and to do our very best to make sure we put the needs of our significant others above our own. And if both people in a relationship are putting the needs of their significant other above their own, that will lead to a successful marriage because both of you are working equally as hard to make sure the other person's needs are met. And that is sacrifice. All right. So we have another quote by President Boyd K. Packer, and this is what he has to say on the matter. While I am sure some young couples have some special guidance in getting together, I do not believe in predestined love. If you desire the inspiration of the Lord in this crucial decision, you must live the standards of the church, and you must pray constantly for the wisdom to recognize those qualities upon which a successful union may be based. You must do the choosing rather than to seek for some one and only so-called soulmate chosen for you by someone else and waiting for you. So I really love in that quote right there, it says that there's an importance of living the church standards, of making an effort to follow the commandments and be that upstanding citizen. Because we know if we're living the church standards and we're doing everything that we are asked to do, that we will be good citizens. We will be good people. And we will be doing things right when it comes to how we live our lives and how we treat others and how we also treat ourselves and our bodies. And it will mean that we will be a good partner if we are truly seeking to be like Christ. And I like that that perfectly goes in tandem what, with what President Cable had to say, you know, about being being a good man and tying that into the scriptures as well as what I guess Moroni had to say about the matter. So the next thing we want to highlight in that quote was that we need to pray to recognize qualities of a successful union. And one thing I like about that in this quote is it's a successful union. The qualities of a successful union, that doesn't talk about pray for the qualities of their aesthetics. That just means we need to find what's essential qualities for someone to help provide a successful union in a marriage. Which means how do you guys work together? Which also means you should alter the way you're praying. If you're praying every day, like, God, help me find the one. God, help me find, you know, the man I'm looking for. That's not exactly the way we should be praying. It would be, help me be the person that will be compatible with the type of man or woman I'm looking for. And help me be able to recognize qualities in the people I'm dating that will mean I will have a successful and happy marriage. I love something I heard Elder Bednar say a while back, which was, if two people live the gospel, they can have a successful and happy marriage. And that's so true, because that would mean that we are creating the perfect environment to have love and service and a healthy relationship, not not only with each other, but also with God. And the reason that we date 
especially people within the church date each other, is because there are so many possible unions that we can create. Like there are so many people that we date because many of these people share those same qualities and ideas already. The reason that we continue to date and see more people is because some of those qualities that will be good for us are certain personality traits as well. And so we're specifically looking for not just people who follow the gospel. We can meet many of those people. And that doesn't mean we're specifically going to resonate as well with them. Will it still work? Yeah, you can make it work. But I think it'll be a lot easier if you find somebody who's more compatible with your personality too. So one thing that we really like is what Dieter F. Uchtdorf said. He said, I don't believe there is only one right person for you. I think I fell in love with my wife, Harriet, from the first moment I saw her. Nevertheless, I don't believe she was my one chance at happiness in this life, nor was I hers. Once you commit to being married, your spouse becomes your soulmate, and it is your duty and responsibility to work every day to keep it that way. I really love that because I personally have felt that when I've ended relationships in the past before I was with Jerry, sometimes I would tell myself, oh no, what if that was the person I was meant to be with? What if he was the only one that, you know, I was supposed to marry and we had this whole life that was supposed to be and that was the person that I was destined to to have an eternal life with. But looking at that, just like we're talking about, there isn't just one person. And I feel like that brings so much consolation and peace especially to the hearts of those who are dating and maybe just got out of a bad relationship or one that they thought was going to be a great relationship to know that they weren't your one chance at happiness and you don't just have one chance at happiness there isn't one single right person there's 7.674 billion people in the world and that means that you have billions of chances to find someone that you can love and that can love you right back, and that can be your soulmate. Saying that someone is the one is always said in context, and I think it's better than almost saying a soulmate, because being the one means that you are choosing someone as the one that you want to spend the rest of your life with. You have many chances of happiness, and you can choose your happiness and make someone the one for you, and make them your soulmate by working hard and committing. Choosing the one means that they are the one that won between all of the other 7.6 whatever billion people in the world that that was the one person you chose and the one you committed to, but not the only one out there for you. Yeah, I really like the concept so much of becoming. And this is what we really wanted to highlight today is we need to change our mindset of finding a soulmate to choosing somebody that we think will be compatible with us and becoming their soulmate, just like President Uchtdorf did. He said, I worked at this. I made sure every day it stayed this way. And we've heard over and over again that it takes sacrifice and time and there'll be financial burdens and things won't be hard. The reason that we work hard is so that when I'm gone, no matter what happens during the day, my wife can find solace in knowing that I'm there and that I love her and that she has a partner to go through this life no matter what no matter what is happening in our path. And I want to note that finding your soulmate or the person for you does not mean that you're going to have a stress-free, perfect life. So just because you marry someone and you come on challenges doesn't mean that that person you married isn't your soulmate and can't be your soulmate. 
part of this life together means imperfect marriages and imperfect families. And that's going to come with its own set of hardships, but it can still be a life you're building so that one day it can be perfect and one day it can be completely whole and without fault. But because we're human, there's going to be imperfections. And so we need to strive together with our spouses or our potential spouses to create a safe space and a place where we can always feel loved and uplifted between one another. So Brianna, in in talking about the one, I think, wasn't there a story like your mission president said about like candy or something? (laughs) You told me. Yep, yep. So many times we wonder, like, where does agency come into all of this? And doesn't God already know who we're going to choose? And so doesn't that mean that there is just one person? So we asked our mission president about this while I was serving with him, about how do we find the person that we should be with, that God wants us to be with? And when it comes down to it, we asked him, how is anything in life fair if God already knows what we're going to choose? Like, that's not true agency, right? (laughs) And he gave us a great story. So he said... He has 10 kids, right? And he told us, I have a son, because he had a son living with him at the time in Peru. And he said, "If I know that if I leave a bowl of candy out on the countertop and I go upstairs and my son comes downstairs, I know exactly which candy he's going to choose out of that bowl. I could have 15 different types of candy in that bowl, but I know that he's going to go right for those M&Ms every time, 100%, because I know my son. Does that mean that I'm making him choose M&Ms? Or he only has one option, and that's M&M's. Or there's no agency involved for him to have a choice to choose which candy he wants. No, he 100% could choose the Butterfinger, or the Jelly Beans, or the Jolly Rancher. But I know him well enough to know that he's going to choose the M&M's. And it's the same thing with choosing a soulmate or choosing your spouse. You have full agency to choose whoever you want to choose in this earth. But God knows who we're going to choose because he knows us perfectly. And so he can put 15 different types of candy-flavored men or women in front of us, but he knows that we're going to choose that specific person because that's who we are as a person. So the best thing we can do when it comes down to using our agency properly is to include the Lord in our decisions and help him guide us to the person that's going to best suit us so that we don't let ourselves be influenced by the worldly things or the natural man and natural desires that we have here on this earth. I love that story. (laughs) All right, so it's time for something critical here. We're going to talk about the motto. The motto has yet to be officially shared. Brianna tried to spoil it once. I did. (laughs) (laughs) The motto is now being officially shared, and this motto was created by Dem Boys at BYU. Oh, my goodness. Dem Boys being (laughs) my roommates. Did you get permission from them to share this? That's the question. Oh, this permission has been granted because <laughs> it is given any time there is a need for people to understand dating. And this motto must come out. And that motto is this. Repeat after me. Don't force it. Don't force don't it. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Don't force it. Don't fight it. <laughs> you guys better be saying it right now. Say it again for us. Don't force it. Don't fight it. And then it's <laughs> going to turn into like a chant. Don't force it. Don't fight it. Don't force it. Remember that motto. Because that is how love comes. You won't find the best marriage that you're looking for if you're forcing it. When you find someone that you're dating and you start to say, I have to stick with this person because they might be my only chance. Or, I I really want to see this person every day. I can't stop thinking about them and so I'm going to annoy them. 
<laughs> by blowing them up, even though it doesn't, even though to them it's not the right time to do something like that. You have to, you have to be wise when it comes to dating, and vice versa. Don't fight it. If you think that you really like somebody, but you're trying to play it cool, or you're trying to not seem too eager, then you're fighting it. You're fighting your natural desire for love and attraction to come to you, and so you're messing with the game of love when you're fighting it, and you can't fight it. So don't force it. Don't fight it. Just go with it. Let love come organically to you. And it's very simple, to be honest. It's very simple. Because it happened for me, and it's happened for many people, that when that time comes to be with somebody, it there's not going to be much deliberation about it. It's my mind is telling me this right now, and I have to try to think of 300 reasons to not follow my mind right now, because I'm now freaking out about the fact that this is probably my person. That's when you know. My mind is telling me yes. <laughs> my body is telling me no. It actually goes the other way around. Exactly. <laughs> but I kind of want to piggyback on what Jerry just said, because he said something really great, that you need to let it come organically and not just get married to get it over with and not settle for someone who you don't feel it will work with. Settling is something very important to note here, you guys. Just because we're saying there isn't one soulmate doesn't mean that you should stop being selective about who you're going to marry and should stop the quote-unquote search. Now, I'm being very selective with my words. I'm not saying that you should be picky. I'm saying that you should be selective. There's a huge difference. Selective means that you need to have that list of qualities that your significant other needs to meet. And it shouldn't be a list 200 pages long, but it should be a few key aspects of the person that you will marry that they need to meet. And you need to be selective about who you marry. That is important. Just because there isn't one person doesn't mean that there aren't people that you will not mesh with and you will not vibe with and that you should not settle for because it will not be successful. So that's when it comes time to have that self-inventory and figure out what you need as a person to feel like you're having a successful and happy marriage and you need to look for that some people need different things there are some people that have to find somebody who's very similar to them that has to like all their activities and they have to have so many things in common there are other people that are attracted to opposites that one's more outgoing more one's more introverted one likes to play video games the other one likes to read books it's still good to have a couple things in common but it's not necessary it's it's all about finding what you need. And so if you haven't, this is a good time for you to reflect and even reflect with the Lord, have a journal where you can write down these ideas of, man, if I have a spouse, this is this is the kind of traits I think I would like to see. And I know personally for me, that's something that I did. I know that I'm fairly introverted and I couldn't find someone else who's introverted or I would never leave my house. <laughs> and so because I have Brianna, who's completely outgoing it makes it in a way where we're I'm always being dragged out of the house to go somewhere. That's it starts true. to be against my will, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to go, but then I end up having fun, and it ends up being a good experience where I can meet other people and, and grow more social to, to bring that out of me. Not that it's bad to be introverted, but it's better to be neutral. To find that balance. Yeah. So we want to invite you listeners to actually take some time this week and get yourself a dating journal. This is something that I feel like will be very helpful for everyone listening who's really struggling with dating. And I want you to sit down and reflect on yourself, your dating history and your dating currently, and make a list of 
attributes that you are looking for and manifest those and write them down and go over with the Lord what you're looking for in a spouse. So make a list of what you need. Make a list of where you're at. Be honest with yourself. Take an inventory of where you are at spiritually and compare the list of requirements you have for your future significant other and whether or not you're meeting those requirements. (laughs) If one of your requirements is someone who holds a temple recommend and you're struggling with that right now, that's something that you can work on. If one of your requirements is someone who is patient with others and you really struggle with being patient with others, that's something you can work on. And that way we can be building ourselves while we're looking for the person that we want to end up with. And also in that journal, keep notes of how your dates are going, of things you enjoy, things you don't enjoy, things you're noticing about how you interact with other people. Keep a journal of things that you're learning from this podcast that can help you. Jerry and I really think that this can be something helpful for you. So go out there, get a little notebook and start your dating journal. This doesn't mean you have to make an entry every day, but maybe make entries after you go on dates or as you realize stuff about yourself or when things touch you when you're reading the scriptures and you're thinking, wow, this really applies to me where I'm at in my dating life right now. All right. So that's been a lot of really good information and that is going to wrap up today's topic. We just want to give you a couple closing thoughts. And one of those is coming from Doctrine and Covenants section 58 verses 26 through 29. For behold, it is not meet that I should command in all things. For he that is compelled in all things, the same is a slothful and not a wise servant. Wherefore, he receiveth no reward. Verily I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause, do many things of their own free will, and bring to pass much righteousness. For the power is in them, wherein they are agents unto themselves. And inasmuch as men do good, they shall in no wise lose their reward. But he that doeth not anything until he is commanded, and receiveth a commandment with doubtful heart, and keepeth it with lawfulness, the same is damned. Oof. Yeah, it's pretty intense scripture, but it's it's perfectly tying into what we've been sharing today. It is perfectly tying into what we said today and with our dating goal. Like we don't want anyone to be slothful. We don't want anyone to sit around and just wait for the Lord to dawn on them inspiration of if somebody's the one. We need people to be active and anxiously engaged in looking for somebody who has the potential to become their soulmate. Exactly. And the Lord truly wants us to be happy. He wants us to reach that goal of eternal life with our families. And I know that can be a lot of pressure. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. So take off a little bit of that pressure, but also a little bit of that push is important. Otherwise, we won't work for something. I want to end with the last quote, which is by Elder Bednar. It says, There is no perfect mate. There is no soulmate. Get to work and quit worrying about it. (laughs) That's the theme of this episode. Get to work and quit worrying about it. You will create your own soulmate if you work at it. And God will bless you. And you will find someone that really helps bring that fullness and that beauty to your love life. If you enjoy Single to Sealed, be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content. Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.